Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, hello and welcome to this week's edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. I'm your host, Roy Richards, and I'd like to begin the program by noting that this month, June, we are celebrating our program's 8th anniversary. Our initial broadcast was June 2012, and I want to thank all of our regular listeners for their loyalty and promise even more helpful interviews over the next eight years. And to new listeners, welcome to our Midlife Renewal family. And on today's program, my esteemed guest, Lori Marshall, will give us five tools for stressed-out parents to help your whole family get along better, resolve issues, and come closer together in love. But before I introduce Ms. Marshall, I'd like to speak briefly about an issue that's challenging a whole bunch of families, probably including yours, this summer. The issue is how can your family take a safe but fun vacation together this summer in in view of all the pandemic uh, restrictions? First, the good news, if we can call it that, a lot of the restrictions on non-essential travel are being lifted as governors ease their state's lockdown orders. Also, many states and the national park system have begun to reopen parks and outdoor tourist attractions, but many indoor venues remain closed and others place restrictions on visitors or limit visitor capacity. And now the bad news, and this is crazy, 15 states still have statewide travel restrictions in place, and some states uh, require 14-day quarantines or a recent negative COVID-19 test result for visitors arriving from outside their state or from outside the U.S., And I honestly don't know just what the quarantine means if, say, you're attempting to drive through New Mexico on your way from Arizona to Texas, which millions of people do every year. Does New Mexico have roadblocks at the state border in order to test your whole family for COVID-19? And if you promise instead to agree to a 15-day quarantine, who's to ensure your whole family remains in the car all across the state? What if you or a family member needs to purchase fuel, stop for lunch, stay overnight at a hotel, or simply relieve yourself in a public restroom? And here's a real doozy. Most everyone would love a Hawaii vacation, but at least through July, I would think not now. Because if you arrive at an airport right now on the islands, Officials there verify trip arrangements by contacting your hotel and letting them know you have arrived. Then, get this, workers from the Hawaii tourism agencies follow up numerous times over the 15 days to verify that you and your family members remain in quarantine. Guess that means room service meals only 
and no trips to your hotel's swimming pool or the beach. And guess what? When workers uh, can't reach someone uh, in your family, they contact law enforcement. Reportedly, one visitor from the mainland who had violated quarantine was arrested by the uh, way they tell people to spy on the people that look like they don't come from Hawaii <laughs> and might be violating quarantine. Anyway, this this fellow was arrested at the Honolulu airport an hour before his scheduled return flight to L.A., and the visitor got out of Hawaii only by posting a $2,000 bail, which I'm certain he never got back, and catching a later flight some end to a vacation. So at least for now, I suggest you forget Hawaii. How about mainland USA? Well, in a nutshell, although all 50 states are reopening to some degree, summer travel plans aren't a go everywhere in the U.S. yet. International travel is even more more uncertain, and if uh, you go, it's not that easy to come back because federal policy requires all U.S. residents who have visited Brazil, China, Iran, I guess you didn't plan to go there anyway this summer, uh, to good old Iran, the U.K., Ireland, or Western Europe. And during the previous 14 days, they have to return to our country through one of only 13 U.S. airports with adequate screening procedures for COVID-19. Another challenge, state-by-state closures and travel restrictions are changing so rapidly that they may be different in one or two months uh, when you actually plan to leave. I can't begin to tell you how how to vacation this summer, but I have researched the Internet and newspapers, and here are a few suggestions. Of course, as a parent, your initial concern for you, your spouse, and the kids is safety. So what's high risk and what's not? Well, according to a June 12th online article by Business Insider, uncrowded hiking trails and beaches are far less dangerous than, say, an interactive museum. For that reason, many states have already reopened outdoor tourist destinations, and most of our national parks have opened. Uh, however, with limitation, and you want to obtain tips on avoiding crowds at these parks. Alabama, Florida, Minnesota, and Missouri have reopened concert venues with capacity limitations, and Arkansas, South Carolina, and Tennessee have opened water parks, and they also, uh, most states, have already opened beaches. Washington, D.C. allows outdoor tourist attractions like historical monuments, but uh, indoor ones remain closed. Uh, So you may, and also in Washington, you may want to avoid a Black Lives Matter or similar protest, which seem to be quite popular these days. Uh, for indoor destinations like museums, restaurants, zoos, and aquariums, some states like Texas have left it to counties to decide what to open, while others like California still have blanket bans on indoor museums. And as stay-at-home orders are lifted, many states or parts of states now allow restaurants to host drive-in, uh, dine-in customers 
but with capacity and social distancing restrictions. I know in our state, Iowa, uh, I think the restriction is 50%, although I guess that was recently lifted, but all the tables still need to be six feet apart, so there's not room for a lot of folks in most restaurants. And I believe Disneyland and Disney World are scheduled to reopen in July, but with attendance restrictions. Bottom line, unless you plan a short weekend or day trip to a nearby destination you know is open, this year you will need more than your usual amount of planning to ensure you don't arrive, drive or fly a long way only to experience that you and your kids can't attend what you've been looking forward to. And my list of cautions is far from comprehensive, but from a Ray Smith article in the June 9th 2020 Wall Street Journal. Here are a few safety tips for taking a road trip this summer. First, before you go on vacation, discuss with the family doctor questions about all family members' health and level uh, the level of risk to severe illness each of you has. It's kind of like an annual checkup before a vacation. You always check out your car. Why not your own bodies? And before you leave, research and make a list of online uh, sites where you can obtain the latest coronavirus updates during your travels. You may have to alter plans, in other words. Suggested information sources might include the Center for Disease Control, or CDC, the COVID Data Tracker site, municipal and state health departments, and local newscasts. Be sure to watch those each night to see what may be going on. And as I mentioned before, some cities and states have COVID-19 checkpoints and rules about who may enter. As of June 6th, a number of states, including Maine, New Mexico, and Hawaii, still require visitors to quarantine for 14 days. And for the most current information, you may want to order AAA's COVID-19 travel restrictions map at triptych.aaa.com. On your trip, what should you bring along? Well, AAA recommends you bring travel documents like your driver's license, duh, <laughs> registration and auto insurance card, as well as your health insurance cards. Also, how about bringing along a roadside emergency kit, face coverings, uh, disinfecting wipes, and EPA-approved disinfections. And here's one you may not have thought about, refilling your car's gas tanks in a safe way. If you do wear gloves when uh, pumping gas, put on a fresh pair and discard your former gloves each time you fill up. If no gloves, apply hand sanitizer before or after handling the nozzle. And when using public restrooms, AAA says gas stations may be your best bet. I've never found them to be particularly lovely, but uh, I guess since the owners are in a for-profit business, you can express, uh, expect extra effort in keeping their restrooms clean. <coughs> but uh, if you do use these restrooms, use hand sanitizers that at least 60% alcohol uh, and then fl- uh, use them uh, after flushing, uh, and touching door handles and other surfaces. 
And when purchasing food along the road, your best bet is a restaurant that offers contactless curbside pickup. Also, and my wife would love this, she's kind of a cleanliness nut, uh, treat all food containers as if they were potentially contaminated, because they are. Uh, right before you dig in, sanitize your hands. Okay, what about rental cars? Well, the good news is that most rental car companies have added extra sanitation measures in the wake of COVID-19. However, if you plan to rent a car, you may want to ask representatives what they have done then wipe down door handles and the steering wheel yourself. And finally, what do you do before your family stays at a hotel or an Airbnb? Well, ask before or at check-in if they are taking any special COVID-19 precautions between guests. Also, do they provide hand sanitizers for guests, uh, contactless check-in and check-out? These are all things you may want to check in advance before you check into a hotel. And all these suggestions I just made may sound too complicated and not really worth it, uh, but... If so, may I suggest how you might have a wonderful summer enjoyed by all without traveling afar. The main purpose, after all, of a a vacation is to spend quality time with your loved ones, making sure (coughs) both you and your spouse and every one of your kids gets to do something they really enjoy. How about spending money normally spent on a vacation and installing your very own backyard pool? Family bike rides are very much in vogue this year, maybe with an attached child carrier for the little ones. <coughs> Excuse me. How about running a single-family cabin or a vacation house at an exotic location for a month or two? Another possibility, this summer vacation at home, but plan a super exciting cruise or land tour of Europe, Australia, or Southeast Asia in the summer of 2021. What's the bottom line? Will the COVID pandemic can and will force cancellation or alteration of some of your vacation plans this summer, but the pandemic can't make you feel better and crestfallen your attitude is totally up to you, and your challenge this summer is to be positive and creative. And when leaves begin to fall this autumn, who knows, you may look back on this summer's unconventional vacation as your family's best ever. And remember, only you and no one else can make you miserable. So why do it? And now on to our guest. Parenting is never easy. But being quarantined or socially isolated along with your kids can make it much harder. So just how long uh, now have your little kids, preteens and teenagers, been off from school? How have they been filling that time? Have some or all of their favorite recreational activities also been canceled? Activities like Little League Baseball, high school sports, summer camp, scouts, perhaps even regular play dates with best friends. To make matters worse, maybe you and your spouse have been quarantined right along with the kids, perhaps under a work-from-home arrangement, 
unemployment, hopefully not, but uh, or lack of outside interaction and social event cancellations. Add to that who knows what kind of a travel vacation, if any, your family will be able to take this summer. And if parenting during COVID-19 pandemic is getting you down, our next segment is ideal for you. My guest, veteran, creative, educator, and artist, Lori Marshall, is here with five simple tools for stressed-out parents that will help everyone in the family get along better and collectively blow off steam. And here's a bit of Lori Marshall's outstanding resume. She's a bullying prevention expert and author and illustrator of multiple books, both for adults and for children. And during 35 years as educator, Lori has trained over 6,000 teachers in project-based learning, and she's facilitated 125 bully prevention nature-based murals with over uh, 25,000 people uh, collaborating on them in schools, nonprofits, and government agencies, including NASA and FEMA. And as described on her website, her passion is for collaborative innovation, project-based learning, and arts innovation. And hello, Laurie Marshall. We're indeed pleased to welcome you. Middle age can be your best age. <laughs> Thank you, Roy. I'm very honored to be here and to give support to parents because parenting, as you said, it's never easy. It is the best job on the planet, but the hardest. And no parent has ever coped with as many different pressures um, as as we have on us now. Yeah. I mean, it's always been hard, um, but I just I'm so uh, dedicated to supporting parents. Yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> we may I'd like to jump right into uh, discuss each one of your five suggested tools for easing the COVID nineteen stress. And your first suggestion is to treat your children like graduate students. What do you mean by this? Your eight year old in third grade is far from graduate student, and even your teenagers have a way to go. In what way should we treat them like a young adult? <laughs> well, the graduate students get to go deep into what interests them, get yeah. to team up with experts, and get to do projects that have real impact. And all children have enormous focus on the things that are engaging their imagination, their heart, and their soul. Yeah. And as parents, nobody knows these uh, affinities better than you do. So watching what brings your child joy, what fascinates them, and connecting them with real experts in the field um, is is so important. And then being able to use what they're learning and sharing it in a creative way is so essential. And I know video games are engaging a lot of kids. Unfortunately or unfortunately. Yeah, and so <laughs> they may say that's what their passion is. But video games do a couple things that are important. They have a story and they let the kids engage and make a decision and take action. So you you know, you press the uh the button and something happens. Yeah. Um what's what's so important is as parents is to give the kids opportunities 
to make a decision and take action uh, in other realms and also to make up their own stories, to not always be at the mercy of somebody else's story. So my my third key step is creativity. So I'm just going to jump there um, because creativity is is so important to cope with all the problems that we're having. So making up plays, making up stories, making up um, drawings, all teach children that they have an endless supply of ideas within them, that they don't have to depend on somebody else to make the story up. And most all the stories in video games are based on force winning, and yeah. that story is very dangerous for our world. We, yeah, we need the story of being connected to nature yeah. as um, <clears throat> essential. So every opportunity you have to take your family into nature and to just observe nature and be together in nature is so, so important. Yeah. Um, well, your second tip is of interest. We don't want to skip that one. To ask our children what makes them feel useful, then give them opportunities each day to be useful. From your experience, can you please describe a few examples of how kids respond? I mean, I, I doubt many of them eagerly offer to take out garbage or wash dishes, for instance. <laughs> yeah, well, for most human history, the children were integrated into the daily life of the village, and they understood that if they didn't carry water, they wouldn't have water, and that if they didn't chop wood, they wouldn't be warm. Today, we live in a very different reality, Um, but having um, uh, the family story that in our family, we all help out as much as possible and are appreciated for all the help that we give. That's yeah. our family story. Oh, that that then um, the opportunities to do the daily chores can be uh, creative. And so it, combining what makes you feel useful, just again, see, do they, as a kid, really like to sweep? Some kids love to sweep, so let them sweep. The... Um, <laughs> The three- and four-year-olds, they're dying to help. So just encourage that uh, and keep it as a practice um, to carry heavy things. Uh, Children's bodies need to carry heavy things because when they use their body in that way, it makes a map in your mind, uh, in your brain, about where your body stops and uh, somebody else's body begins. So it helps all the joints. So every opportunity to carry, to lift, to lug, uh, to fold, it's its a very important thing for children's development. Oh, and they want to be useful also to help others and to help your in your community and help your neighborhood. Yeah, um, so we could, uh, it's probably good for us to expose our children to problems in the world and in the neighborhood and ask them what they would do to help solve these problems and yes. keep these away from the little kids. I don't know. Well, you have that's a really good point you bring up, Roy. You can't overwhelm them. You always have to couple 
the exposure to these hard problems with some action they can take. Yeah. Animal shelters are also places where they need help. Um, That is really great for kids. Um, And and they love animals, most of them. Yeah, yes. Um, Well, this next step sounds kind of crazy. Tell us why we as parents and our kids should create masks out of paper bags then put them on to convey our emotions, emotions like sad, happy, mad, or silly. (laughs) From your experience, are putting on these masks effective in eliminating yelling during household disagreements? And how should you as a parent react if your 10-year-old daughter puts on her mad mask when you attempt to discipline her? (laughs) That's a great, great question. So, the question of what is effective discipline is huge and creativity is a a very important role to play. So if your family has had an activity and you've all made your different masks, like three different masks, mad, hurt, and um, mad, sad, and happy. Yeah, you've got to have a happy one. Yeah. So it changes the, uh, the tension yeah. To it disrupts the tension when you put on a bag, and so you've disciplined your ten-year-old, and she puts on her mad bag, and you can respond by saying, "I understand how mad that makes you. Yeah. I'm here to I'm here with you in that anger, and you can tell me about it, or you can go and have some time by yourself." And so I, you empower the child to experience their feeling and not shame them for their feeling. But we but, as parents should have masks for ourselves as well. As oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It is for the children. I mean, it is for the parents too. Yeah. Because I, I did it when I was a parent. I, I actually made a mask. Um, and when I was feeling really angry, so often it just comes out horrible. But when I put the mask on to show I was angry, the kids got it and they also laughed and I laughed. <laughs> yeah. no, so it changes true. it changes the game. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Still gets the message across, but without the yelling or the accusatory yes. tone of voice or whatever. That the... Exactly. I like this uh, other tip number four, model self-regulating emotions. Obviously, when upset, we need to calm ourselves down if we expect our kids to do the same. Tell us how three deep breaths, when you feel out of control, can center you as a parent and interrupt impulsive behavior that can harm family members, spouse, or kids. Are there other methods besides the breaths that you can do to uh, calm down? So first of all, I want to say the breaths are hard. (laughs) <laughs> that we have, I heard, like 0.04 seconds uh, to interrupt our brain getting triggered into aggression uh, when we're upset. So it yeah. is really hard, and it's really hard for kids too. However, you can show the kids when you're frustrated something, especially not towards them, you can say, oh, I'm so frustrated I'm going to take my deep breaths now and just stop and take the deep breaths and say, okay, now I'm going to name what I was feeling. My heart was racing. I had 
my hands were tingling and I was so angry I just I thought I might hurt something. Yeah, and then good, good and then the the third step is to say what you need. Yeah. And our job as parents is to help children articulate what they need so they can request it in a kind and beautiful way. Um so saying um I I need space I need your help cleaning up. I need um, uh, appreciation. All those things, if we can help the children by modeling it ourselves. I see. Well, how how do you deal with a rebellious teen who basically ignores your calm request and continues to misbehave? How do you get your point across to your teen without yelling? Is it okay to take away a benefit? Uh, Like use of the car next weekend or... the allowance or whatever. <laughs> I think that that can help sometimes, but what's most important is to understand what's underneath the rebellion. Yeah. And it's always a good reason. Everyone, even the most horrible terrorist, has a reason for what they're doing. And, and it has to do with the human need for autonomy, for uh, challenge, for explanation, um, for uh, higher purpose. Uh, There's always a need. So when your teenager is acting out, to keep being an open heart to what does this child need now? What is their behavior a symptom of? Yeah, all of us should be asking that about the protesters that (laughs) are disrupting society. If we yes. really respected and loved them as, as human, fellow human beings, we'd ask that kind of question rather than just writing them off as troublemakers and different yes. from us. <laughs> right, and uh, a distru- um, aggression is a form of distress. Yes. So the teens who are acting out, they are in distress. Um so punishing them won't help them self-regulate. Yeah. Uh, saying, you know, privileges, there are privileges, and having a car is a privilege, <clears throat> having a phone is a privilege. If you're paying for the phone, then it's your phone. It's not yeah. the teenager's phone. That's true. Um, <laughs> and, and you can write a contract with your teenager, this yeah. is my phone, and I'm letting you hear, use it, Um and you may not use it during dinner. You may not use it at night. You you, you don't having kids have their phones at night uh, is uh, when a lot of harm happens. Yeah. Um, and uh, keeping your authority as the eagle authority because you have the big picture that the children don't, the teens don't. Yeah. Um, is very important. Your fifth tool is to use story. You mentioned stories before, to use a story to affirm family values and make a family story or share stories. How in the heck can you get your kids to listen to or make up their own stories? Are you suggesting a daily or a weekly story time? And maybe you could give us an example of a story we could use. Yeah, um, so for... Millions of years was our journey of becoming a human. At the end of the day, we made fire 
and we sat in a circle and we shared stories. And our brains are actually hardwired to learn from stories. And stories are a way of sharing what your values are without telling anybody what to do. And kids don't like to be told what to do. People don't like to be told what to do. Um, So the best way is, yes, to have a regular story time. And if you have young children, every night they should have a story. Um, And, you know, every morning they should have a story. Kids crave stories. Video games are stories. That's why they like them. Um, So if you, you make up a story... When your kids do something crummy, you make up a story about the crummy thing and then how they could have handled it differently because they don't know. Um, So you use story as an active uh, tool every day. Uh, So instead of giving them a lecture about how they messed up, tell a story about how somebody else messed up and, and then they figured out that they could do it a different way, you know, help out the the parent that's working so hard um, and get all this praise. Um, and making a, a story about who your family is, and in our family, we stick up for uh, people who are being hurt. That's, yeah. that's our yeah. family story. In our family, we all help each other. Yeah. And... So it, the the parent has to model it and trust your imagination and trust your creativity. By doing that, you model that for your children, and you will stories will come to you. Um, yeah, tell a story about your your parents or the kids' grandparents of when yes. dad, granddad or grandma did something to help someone else. Or that, that's an excellent way to go about it. I would think. Yeah. Yes, and um, I'd like to share one of the books that I uh, had the honor of illustrating that was written by an eight-year-old boy, um, Deontay Webster in Indiana, who was given a historical fiction assignment in third grade, and he wrote about Hurricane Katrina. Um, His mother had been a college student in Louisiana during that time, and she told him about it. And this book is called The Flood of Kindness, Inspired by Hurricane Katrina, and wow, it uh, it shows his um, the the child's ability to value. Uh, <clears throat> he thought about what would be the worst thing that could happen in a in a hurricane or a big event, and it would be to lose your best friend, and yeah. that's what he wrote about. Oh, wow. And he allowed for the grief to be uh, magical and turn into his tears turned into a rose and this is a time where there's a little boy (laughs) oh my gosh and everybody comes in creative and creativity is a birthright and we need creativity to deal with the massive challenges that our children are going to be facing they have to know that um, that they can come up with new visions and new ideas. So exposing your children to beautiful stories every day is it is a great tool for what's coming. We have more climate change coming. We have coronavirus. We're going to learn how to live together uh, and celebrate our differences because if we don't, it's just too painful. Yeah. 
Well, you're a highly respected educator and long-term proponent of uh, project-based learning. Before I let you go, I know we're running out of time, but uh, tell us a little bit about what project-based learning is. I'm fascinated by that concept. That concept is that students learn best when they make a real product for a real audience that um, comes out of a real interest and has a real impact. Oh, I see. I know it yep. teaches to the heart, the hands, and the head in that order. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And um, in my book, Beating the Odds Now, 10 Steps for Teachers to Meet the Standards and Still Love What You Do, um, I give lots of examples of project-based learning, including a seventh grade in um, West Virginia that researched what would happen if the top of Black Mountain was cut off for by the coal companies oh. and they so they were seventh graders they researched what would happen to the water to the ecosystem to the jobs and they published their findings in the newspaper and they went to the state capitol and presented their findings <laughs> and not only was the top of black mountain not cut off but it was preserved forever oh that's great well, in west so, virginia that's a real problem they, uh, it is. Yes, so we can't underestimate our children. They are so capable, and they they are hungry to be capable. And if you listen to the uh, their beautiful ideas and their instincts and their interests, and feed them and expose them to other people, uh, you can. They're bored so much because they're doing fake work. They want to do real work. <laughs> My grandchild insisted on getting uh, a drill from the high wall in the garage where he could have killed himself oh. instead of using his toy drill. <laughs> People want, children want to do real stuff and they have real stuff to do because not only will they have great um, ideas for dealing with climate change, um, they also bring adults joy and hope. And we adults right now who've lived through uh, a lot of pain are yeah. scared. And yeah. uh, we have reason to be scared, but the kids aren't as scared. And we need their fresh hope and vision. Um, yeah, and that's... that's yeah. Well, I notice on your uh, website you offer... You had, you've written a number of books, both for adults and... Uh, for kids as well, uh, how can our listeners learn about some of these books? We don't have time to talk about the other ones now, but uh, yeah, they can go to Lori Marshall, Lori com. Yeah, I, I know you had one that was written by uh, largely by the third grade class of a school, elementary school in Novato, California, and another one that uh, a school in Pittsburgh where they uh, the kids all shows pictures of the kids and the, their I am poems. Yes, yes. Are. There's some fascinating uh, books that you have available there that I'm sure uh, our listeners would be interested in. And so they should go to laurie-marshall.com to see those. Yes. And, and Roy, I just want to say to all the parents out there, um, you are doing such holy work, such hard work, and um, 
we we thrive in a village uh and if I can be part of your village to support what you're doing uh please contact me through my website um because it's never been done before parenting yeah. has never been done in 2020 yeah. it's different <laughs> so well, most of our parents and a lot of our, our most of our children and a lot of our parents too, by direct their choice, have been mostly confined at home since early March. And mm-hmm. during that time at home, with the kids, have they grown closer and had a good time together, or are you and your kids by now stressed out and constantly bickering over every little thing? And if the latter is true, I highly recommend you adopt. A, Yes, Lori Marshall's tips, best of all five, but at least two or three of them. In the longer term, all of us parents, teachers, and our communities face a real challenge when our schools reopen this fall. We don't just want to replicate what uh, the schools were like last year. We want them to be better, more effective in motivating our kids to learn because they really want to and apply those skills to help solve real-life problems. You know, yes. we as adults have pretty much screwed up things up to now, and it's up to us to bring our kids along. Uh, they have bright ideas, and they're not as prejudiced uh, with all these crazy notions that us adults have. And uh, also, uh, parents, it's up to each one of us to stay involved to eradicate school bulleting, uh, bullying, I should say. And as Laurie Marshall puts it, partner with the genius youth to heal the world, in other words, to ignite our students' passion and creativity, to increase their engagement, to solve the many problems we're passing along to them. And thank you so much, uh, Lori Marshall, uh, for five simple tips to improve life for self, spouse, and kids in your little corner of the universe. And thanks for joining us today. Best of success in promoting project-based learning and collaborative innovation. I love those. And innovating uh, the uh, bringing the arts uh, into education as well, which you do so effectively with your murals. Well, thank you, Roy. It was my my honor to be with all of you today. And thanks you to all of well. you for joining us. And join me again next week and my guest will present a four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. Sounds pretty good to me. Bye for now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com.